Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. We're going to talk about the Word of God today. Before we get into that, I want to say a big thank you to all you who are here and all you who are just worshiping with the, from the bottom of your heart. Thank you, worship band, for leading us in worship. We appreciate you so very much. You do such an amazing job every week. Now, before we release the children's church, as we're in our transition here in just a minute, we're going to go ahead and take up our offering. So we will take that offering, hold that, bless it, and then give it, and then we will let the children's church go. I know they're kind of chomping at the bit for that, all right? So let's take a moment and let's bless this offering. Let's trust the Lord with it. If you have your offering, hold that. If you haven't already given, or if you've given online already, we appreciate that so very much. Um, it, it does, does, does go toward the building of His kingdom, and we appreciate that. So right now, Father, we love you, and we thank you for every single dollar, Lord, that you have allowed us to steward today. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to invest into your kingdom in such a way that um, we know that this treasure will not rust, moth will not corrupt it, it will never be stolen. This treasure goes towards your kingdom. And so with a seed of faith and a seed in a heart of gratitude, we sow today into your kingdom. Thanking you, Lord, for every dollar that I have, it is all yours. Everything I have, it's all yours. So God, just the ability to give back to your kingdom, it's a privilege. It's an honor. So I ask God today that you would bless every single penny. Bless every single hand that's able to give, bless every single family, home, and person in this building today. And those watching online, bless them. Father, we give you praise for all that you are. Because out of all that you are comes all that you do. And you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can bring your offering up at this time and also we'll let Children's Church go. All right, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're going to read verses 9 through 12. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of getting back to the basics just a little bit. We're going to be talking about the book. This week, we're going to be talking about the blood Next week, the week after that, we're going to be talking about the body, being the body of Christ. And then after that, we're going to talk about the breath. The body is not any good without breath, amen? So we're going to talk about the breath, the Holy Spirit, and why He's here with us today. Why did Jesus say, it's a benefit for me to go away and give you the Holy Spirit? So we're going to talk all about that this week, or I mean, sorry, this month. Get excited about that. I'm also... Um, going to be, I'm praying about right now in June, going to be, I think, going into a bit of a sermon series about 
for lack of a better term, it's a bit of apologetics. Now, I'm not going to go too crazy deep with it because you could really go absolutely so crazy with it that uh, you could get, get really, really lost in all of that information. But I think at a time and a season which the church is in right now, it's good for us to know why we believe what we believe. All right? All right. Let me try it with this side. It's in a time and a season that we're in right now, I think it's good that the church know why we believe what we believe. How many of you parents had kids that asked why all the time? How many of you were that kid? You were that kid that asked why all the time. Well, that's okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an okay to ask why, especially when it comes to faith, the most important thing. So we're going to go over a few of our whys. Um, then we're going to go into, after that, uh, maybe just some, some looking at the Word of God and seeing what the Word of God says about the time and the season that we're living in. Because there's a whole lot of talk about right, right now about, oh, it's, he's got to be coming back quickly, and is it the end, and there's rumors, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Well, we're going to dive into that and see what God's will is for our life at such a time as this. All right, so we've got a lot going on. Now let's go ahead and read His Word, about His Word, and go into the book. The Bible. Hopefully by the end of this day you'll understand why it is such an important book. And it's more than that. So, Alright, Psalm 119 verses 9 through 12. If you got it, say, I got it. Alright, I know we're missing a few people already going on vacation. It's that bad. The world is that crazy. People are like, I can't wait for summer. I'm going on vacation. But uh, we're going to have a good time anyway. So Here we go. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart. Everybody say whole heart. I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your ways. Father, we thank you for this word. It's a word you've given us to go live our life by, to understand you better, to know more about you, know more about who we are in you, to know about your will, to know about your way. Father, I pray, Lord, that everything that's done, not, not be done by might or power, but let it be done by your spirit. We earnestly seek you. Seeking, Lord, just to do whatever it is you'd have for us to do to serve you in whatever way we can. And we pray today would be a worship as we listen and as we study your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I've had an incredible privilege over the last few months in this semester talking with a whole lot of teenagers about questions that they have. Questions that they have about God, about Jesus, about life, about the Bible, about Christianity, in some cases even about some other religions, and where is the comparison in those things. I had an opportunity at the beginning of this semester to hand out little note cards and pens and say, write any question you want, anything you want to know about, write it on there. And overall, there were probably close to 700 students that had written down these questions, these topics, these things they want to know about. 
And through all of these topics and all of these questions that they had written down, and then I gathered them up, and then I grouped them together according to basically, as best as I could, whatever topic it was that they wanted covered. And then we went in, we dove into not just myself, but other youth pastors and pastors and ministers and other people in FCA would help me out with that. So as, we, as, as I gathered all of that information, I was absolutely blown away at the fact that by and large, the majority of the questions were about this right here. It was about His Word. And a lot of them, in fact, most of those questions about His Word were actually, help me understand it better. Help me know it more. In fact, a few students who were very, um, I guess, maybe forth-telling in, in, in where they're sitting at, told me, hey, I want to read the Bible. I can't understand it. Help me understand it. Now, not, blow, not, not blowing it out there to embarrass anybody, but how many of you have ever felt that way? And here I have been studying and, and speaking on this right here for almost 30 years. And to be honest with you, there are times that I don't, I think, where do I go, Lord? There, there are times, even though I'm reading in a Bible plan, I, I look at it and go, okay, God, what? This is, there's a lot to this. Where do you want me to be? There, there's a lot of pages here, a lot of stuff here, a lot of verses, a lot of principles, a lot of wisdom, a lot of stories. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of stuff in here. God, where do I go? Where do I go? So I've had the incredible privilege of actually sitting down with, with them and saying, hey, this is where you go, and this is how to understand it a little bit better. But the very first thing that you have to do before even getting to that point is getting to a point where you value this as one of the most important things in your life. How many of you love your Bible? All right, I was hoping for like an eruption, a praise, people swinging off the chandeliers. I was hoping that like graduation, you see the hats throw up. I was hoping that everybody like, woo, throw their Bibles up and then catch them, of course, right? Um, do, do, how many of you really, can I be honest with you? There have been times in my life that I was too busy to really value this as much as I should have. Even in, especially in the ministry, you get so caught up in the to-do list that you forget to go back to the heart of it all. And so I ask you, how many of you really value it? And I've told some of the, I think I've told this story once, but I have to tell it again to set up the value of it. And I, I like sometimes grabbing people's attention, maybe in a little bit of an unorthodox way. And so when I tried to get the students to understand how much you value this, I actually brought out a trash can and I put it before me and I talked a little bit about it. And then I said, but this is what we really think about the Bible. And I just threw it right in the trash can. And I know I've said that to some of y'all have heard that before, but do you imagine, can you see the reaction that I would have gotten for that? Okay. So first of all, I took a step back and I said, thank you for that reaction. Because that shows me you do value this. Because we know that, that the trash is a place to put things where we don't value it. 
unless you have a wife like mine who throws a lot of stuff that I do value, like an old t-shirt, in the trash. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I, spend, I hate yard sale days because I spend half of my time buying my stuff back. Right? So that tells me, though, if I were to throw it, and I did, I, phew, man, I made a big thud sound, and I stepped back, and I said, that's what we think about the Bible. And all the kids were like, oh. and this was like 7th through 12th grade. They were all amazed. Like, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? That's, that's rude. That's disrespectful. What are you throwing the Bible away for? And I said, don't look at me like that, because if you don't value this enough to get into it and read it and do what you can to understand it and pray about it and seek God in it, then really you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it in a nicer way. Right? And then they got as quiet as you got just now. And so I bent over and I picked the book up out of the trash and I took the gum wrappers off of it. And I showed them that it was not a Bible that I threw away because I would never do that. Instead, it was a dictionary that was an old dictionary that looked kind of like a Bible. And so I said, if you really got to understand, if you really want to understand more about the Bible, you've got to treasure it. And, and I know I get it. Okay, it's like, okay, I want to, but where do I go from here? But really, I've learned in life that what you really treasure, your heart will go after. What you really want, your heart will follow that. Um, Have you ever had a craving for something? Bad enough to get up and go do something about it. Right? What your heart really wants, you'll go after. In fact, that's what the Bible says, is that where your treasure is, your heart will follow. It's not the other way around. The treasure doesn't follow the heart. The heart follows the treasure. So if you treasure that, that's the first place to begin that's where we have to start there is more to this right here than what we give it credit for sometimes and I realize I'm talking to the choir in some cases but we have to treasure it like Job said in the middle of Job's calamity right in the middle of chapter 23 right in the middle of going through all of that right in the middle of people who were trying to be right, that they were trying to get preachy and telling him he was wrong, and he's like, I haven't done anything. And right in the middle of all of this, when he's bantering back and forth about, what, what am I in and how am I getting out of this thing? What's going on in my life? Right in the middle of it all, he says, I have not departed from the commandment of your lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the necessary food that I have to eat. Job valued it. Even in the middle of the calamity he was dealing with, Job valued it, which gives us an idea that says that maybe in the midst of our trying to find our way through life and trying to figure out what in the world is going on, maybe Job is giving us a pointer that says this is a good place to start. And there's something incredible about it that says just just start digging. And the more you dig, the more treasure you find Jesus at the end of his 40 days of fasting. I love the scripture when it says, and he was hungry. No kidding. Right? That's an understatement. If I'm ever fasting for 40 days, y'all better watch out because Jesus is about to come back pronto. All right? Because when he messes with the fasting, he's really messing with our heart. Can I get an amen? 
Alright? So when at the end of the 40 days of fasting, Jesus said, and I'm hungry. And so Satan pops in and says, well, I'm so glad. Let's take advantage of this moment. And why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus could have done that. He could have snapped his fingers and he could have had Texas Roadhouse rolls with honey butter in just a second. Okay? And I'm not going to lie, that would have been tempting. All right. At the end of 40 days, don't tempt me with broccoli or Brussels sprouts. Give me some bread. Amen? Jesus was not keto. He was not on a keto diet. Okay? Because he stepped back and he said, Satan, as much as I'm physically hungry right now, I've got to first take a step back and value every word that comes from my Father first priorities Jesus says this is the first of your priorities and how many of you watch those survivor shows right whether it's alone or don't do the naked and afraid thing that's weird all right but how many of you watch those survivor shows and what do they always do what are the what's one of the like first three things they have to have right it's food right they go for water they go for shelter they go for Food. It's a survival tactic. What do I have to have to survive? Right? I have to have food because I have to burn calories to survive. I have to ingest. I have to get. Something has to come in before it can go out. That's the law. Right? You can't give or live What you don't have. I know a lot of very spiritually famished people right now. I run into them all the time. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't value this enough to eat for themselves. They want me to bag it up in a greasy bag and throw it out the window and say, have a nice day. Right? You've got to get with yourself. You've got to get with Jesus, by yourself, with His Word. You've got to value that. You've got to treasure. If Jesus said at the end of being hungry 40 days, no, I'll eat the Word of God first. He said, that's what I'll survive on. Because there's more to it than this. David said in Psalms 119.105 that your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light and to my path, which says He shows me where to go. Some of you who just raised your hand and said, I, I need to know what to do. I need to know where do I go. I need, I need some advice. I need some wisdom. I need some understanding. Stay in His Word. And what I've learned about staying in His Word is sometimes staying in His Word, it jumps out of the page, off the page, out of the book, into my heart, and I'm like, wow, thanks for that answer. Sometimes, the more that I'm in His Word, the more receptive I am for His Word to be spoken to me in other areas and other ways as well. There's just something about being in His Word that sets up an atmosphere to receive His Word. That's called the Logos and the Rhema. Okay? In, the, in the old Scripture, the way that it was written, it's the Logos and the Rhema. The Logos is the Word of God. The Rhema is the Word of God. The Logos is the thought put to printed version. The Rhema is the moving of the thought to the printed version. 
So it's like logos, rhema, logos. Does that make sense? All right, I have a thought in my head, but it takes energy to put it down. So as I put it down, I'm, I'm breathing it, I'm moving with it, and then I'm going to put it down in a way where it can last forever and ever and ever. It is principle. It is important. It is powerful. It is so powerful. The Word of God is so powerful. Just the, the spoken or, or, or written Word of God is so powerful that the Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, Jesus, i got a servant who is about to die and I need your help. And Jesus said, well, where you, where's he at? Let me go. He says, oh, no, no. Just speak a word. Just speak a word and he'll be healed. That there's something powerful about the moving of the word from God's lips to this page to my heart. There's something powerful about being in the flow. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the flow. There's something powerful about it. In fact, if you need God to create and make a way in your life where there doesn't seem to be a way, then you've got to get into the creative power of the Word of God. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And by that Word, everything was made that was made. That God, at the beginning of whatever it is, we can barely measure or fathom. At the beginning it said, let there be. And chose to speak into existence. He chose to use His words. Right? He chose to use His words in such a way that it began to create everything that He had already thought that needed to be created. The Bible says He spoke out in existence over a nothingness and a void and said, let it be. Now that's the power of God because God could put in that just by His Word, everything that needed to be, to be. That means that the Word in and of itself has power to create whatever it is it says it's going to create. Don't you wish it worked like that? Right? Next time the bill comes in, you just say, $100, right? And let it be. Only God can do that. Only God has that power to speak it into existence. And He chose to speak it into existence. He chose to use His words because He wanted the existence of eternity to be governed by laws and principles and parameters. He chose an order to it for that reason. He chose a law and an order so that it would recognize the word spoken to it at any point in time. Let me, let me go a little deeper with this, okay? So we have in this world laws that we are governed by. And I'm not just talking about the speed limit, because y'all don't obey those anyways. Right? I'm talking about the laws of the universe and the way that it works, as best as we can describe, as best as we can explain. How many of you are science nuts or nerds? Oh, y'all just afraid to admit it, some of you, right? Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little nerdy like that, and so I love looking at stuff like that. I love looking at, at, at the expanse of the universe and all of the Hubble telescope stuff and all the James Webb telescope stuff. Got to go with NASA to that, that, 
uh, with Easton on a field trip in his fifth grade year. That, man, I had more fun than he did. Okay, I'm loving all of this. I'm going, I'm diving in. I love it because everything, is, as David said in Psalms, everything declares the glory of God out there, including some of the laws that we abide, we abide by, right? One of which we're abiding right now is the law of gravity, okay? Um, the law of gravity, which takes your muscles that were here and brings them down here at some point in time in life, okay? The law of gravity, we can't get past that. Now, we can have a bit of a relative truth, but the absolute truth always trumps the relative truth, right? As in, Jonathan and I, we could get together, and Jonathan can say, hey, I bet I can jump higher than you, and I would say, yeah, you probably can, because your, your joints are a lot younger than mine. So Jonathan could prove that he jumps, he can jump higher than I can, and as he proves that, that truth is relative. Jonathan's jump is higher than my jump. But we're both subject to an absolute truth that says what goes up must come down. And that's why I choose not to jump very high. Because I don't bounce whenever I come down. I hit and I groan. Can somebody say amen? Alright, that's why I groan every time I get up. What age does that start? I don't know. All I know is, is I woke up one day and I make a noise every time I move. Okay? I don't know, but we are subject to certain laws. One of the laws is the law of the expanding universe. It basically says, it's part of the explanation about, in physics, why we have such a Goldilocks opportunity for life right here. That if the earth was a few miles closer to the sun, we would burn up. If it was a few miles after, uh, farther away from the sun, we'd freeze to death, right? Why is it so perfect? Why? And then, we, then as the scientists look back, we say we realize it's not just earth being perfect for, for life. It's like everything has to work together to make life perfect, to make it, the atmosphere perfect for life. And so as back a few hundred years ago, they didn't realize that, that, that everything was still expanding, that the universe was still growing and expanding and being stretched out this way and that. So before that, that was also about the time they thought that earth was the center of everything. And then we realized, oh, wait a minute, the earth is not the center of everything, right? So... We, we also got to realize, oh, not only are we not the center, but we're also part of a much bigger plan. And we don't know when it began, but at some point in time, something made us begin. And everybody's confused on that, and they've called it everything, including the Big Bang. Right? I happen to believe in the Big Bang, as in, God is the bang. All right? God spoke it, bang, it happened. Okay? But when the bang happened and the universe began moving out, they've measured the wavelengths by the colors that is going red or blue away or, or together or, or closer to us. And as they've measured that and looked at that, they've realized that as, not just is the universe expanding, but it's expanding in such a way that if the balance between gravity and the expansion rate were altered by one part in one million, billion, 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 billion. 
That's 1 in 10 to the 40th power. If things were off just by that much, that's the equivalent of the entire universe in one grain of sand. So if the gravity and the expanding, if all of that was off by the equivalent of one grain of sand in the entire universe, scientist Mike, or Mark Horton said there would be no galaxies, stars, planets, or even life. Intelligent design, right? That's just one law. We know of at least conservatively 30 laws of the working of the universe. And at the top end, over a hundred laws that we can fathom, that we know we figured out to some extent. That's just one, and that one law gives us 10 to the 40th power. What would happen if you threw two laws in it? Just, just two out of the conservative 30. If you put two laws, let's say, for example, the, the, the law of the, the mass of the universe expanding, also maybe the law of uh, the way the cosmological parameters show us how it expands in every direction. If you put those two laws together, it would be the equivalent of 100 million Trillion, 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 trillion. What that means is that as the, as the universe is expanding, if two laws were off by the size of an atom, we would not have life. Roger Penrose said if we combined all of the laws that must be fine-tuned, we couldn't even write down that number in full since it would require more zeros than the number of elementary particles that are even found in the universe. That's heavy. That that is the power of the Word of God to keep things in the order He wants them to be in. By a design and an intelligence that I can't even come close to fathoming. Right? I mean, I think it's a big deal just to win that little triangle game at Cracker Barrel. Right? I'm, I'm like asking for a discount. If I win that thing, I'm like, come on, give me some kind of an award. Give me some kind of praise, something. And yet, look at the way God is ordered and doing all this by His Word. No wonder why it says that he deserves. He is great and he needs to be praised greatly. It is powerful. When we talk about his word, we talk about the fact that not only is it powerful, but it is a coming together of a narrative of the way God covenantly deals with us as humans. Those same students that, I, that once we realized, okay, do you value the word? They all kind of said, yes, and I want to value the word more. And then I said, how cool would it be to have God just come down and speak to you right now? And they would all be like, yeah, that would be amazing. How many of you would love that? Okay. 
Anytime you read the Word, that's what happens. I may not get it because my mind is distracted and I'm like spiritual ADD sometimes. Right? Sometimes my mind is full of other stuff and sometimes I don't always get it. But that is what happens. It's what He's given us. He's given us the ability to have that. It's a coming together. It is, and, and those of you, those, y'all know, most of y'all know this, but just as a refresher, that this isn't just a book. It's a library, right? Y'all realize that. It's, it's a library of 66 books uh, written by over 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years on three different continents, all speaking the same Phrases, the same meanings, the same principles, all speaking the same common thread, and it's the dealing of how God helps with humanity and humanity gets to walk with God. Jordan Peterson has tried to tie together all of the scriptures that have come together, and he says at last count, there's over 5,000 scriptures that are saying the same thing in the same way just with different verbiage, that it's all tied together. And for that to be done over 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years in 66 different books, it's the same odds as taking a computer and putting it into the cage with the monkeys at the zoo and giving them one day To go over and play with the computer and have them type out the works of Shakespeare. Same odds. Same odds for a tornado to go through a neighborhood and build an incredible Empire State Building. Same odds. It covers everything from simple subjects and the simplicities of life to the controversial subject. Every controversial subject we are dealing with as humanity is already covered in this right here. Every one of them. From the simple to the complex. Every single one. It brings morality and civility to our culture. Where would we be as a human race without civility or morality? Someone says, not far from where we are now, right? No, it would be absolutely mass chaos. It would be crazy, wouldn't it? And so the the argument for some form of morality says that there was some intelligent being that said, you need some laws. And he's given us those laws to abide by. I I had a professor at Henderson State who was an atheist, and he didn't push it too much, but he... He kind of threw it out there a few times, like as a jab. For those of you who believe, here's a jab, jab, here, there. I actually was at a point in my life where I kind of thought it as a challenge. I really did. I accepted those challenges, and I was like, let's, let's go to work with this. And he had us do a project at the end of the first semester that I took him. And toward the end of that first semester, he said, here's your project. If you were going to be put on a deserted island and you can only take 20 items, what 20 items would you take? And then he, this shows you how old I was, it was, it was a chalkboard he wrote on. 
And so he actually slid one big chalkboard over to reveal all of the 20 items. And now in those 20 items, I'm looking over there, and he says, all right, I'm only going to give you five minutes to look at these 20 items and figure out which, which five you want out of those 20. So as we're writing and as I'm looking, I notice he put the Bible there. Because I mean, he had stuff like rope and fishing poles and guns and knives and you know whatever. All those kind of things you think of, right? Spam. And he noticed he put the Bible. Well, of course, I put the Bible and, and then pick out my five. Spam was not on there. Um, he got up and he said, okay, how many of you would like to know what five items I would choose? And one of them, we all raised our hands and said, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Plus, it takes up more time, lecture time. So he said, so here's the five items he chose. And he chose and chose. And he said, and my last one, and you might be, might be a little bit shocked by this, but I would choose to take the Bible. And, and he says, he laughed and he said, you know why? I know, I, you know, I'm an atheist and yet I would still choose the Bible. And he says, because there's not a single subject that is being taught in this world that cannot be covered by some laws or some wisdom found in the Bible. And that's the, that was at that time, me and four other students who were doing Bible studies together went just like this. Like, no kidding. And yet you still don't believe. It covers every subject, physically or metaphysically, supernatural or natural. It covers it all. Over the last almost 2,000, nearly 2,000 years, it is the best-selling book of all time. It has been read, it has been studied, translated, and copied more than any other book. In fact, it has inspired more works based on the Bible, from commentaries to songs and poems to other works, other volumes, other resources, it has inspired more works than the Library of Congress could hold. And the Library of Congress can hold almost two million items. It has changed more lives and inspired more works than any other work in the world. In many cases, the Bible was the first book. It has been analyzed. It's been studied. It's been commented on. It's also been persecuted, scrutinized, burned, debated, dismissed, dismantled, disrespected, deconstructed, and yet it still remains. And it's amazing to me how the Bible, even though it's a bit evanescent, how the Bible, how a word can last longer than a powerful movement creating that has created an empire. It has lasted longer than any castle that's ever been, been built or any empire that has ever gone forward. And yet, it is simply a word. A word. It's important. Jordan Peterson also says that no matter how educated you are, you're not educated enough to discuss the psychology or the significance of all the Bible stories and all of their principles. It is blowing them away at how it can speak truth that facts have not even caught up to yet. 
And the more you try to rationalize it, the more you have to use God to rationalize it. That's the point. There's got to be a relationship with you and God as you read this. And I'm saying this as I close and wrap up. As I put it now back to you. I've spent a little bit of time telling you about the importance and hopefully a little bit of time of wetting your whistle enough to know how to value it. But then I'm going to ask you this question. Do you value it and to how much? Do you treasure it? Is it something your heart goes after? Is it someone like a friend you can sit and learn from? I'm not in here to say that everybody in here is perfect at reading it. And I don't want to get legalistic with it. But I'll never forget, there was a gentleman that I used to really, when I was learning how to preach, and still learning it some, in some ways, there was a gentleman that, that I got to know in college really well, and I was always enamored by the way he could present the Word of God. And I got to sit down with this person, and he said, man, he said, there's about 30 minutes here before all of these other students come in. He said, just, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? And I, was, and I told him, I said, man, I'm just enamored at how you can, you can preach the Word of God. You can teach the Word of God. And In fact, this gentleman quoted entire books of the Bible, plural books of the Bible in his sermons. One of the best sermons I ever heard him preach was he quoted the entire book of Philippians while being in chains to prove the point of why Paul wrote what he wrote. And quoted the entire book in King James Version. I don't even understand half of the King James Version, right? He quoted it. He read it. And I looked at him and I said, you got to help me with this. What's... He said, it's pretty easy. He said, I devour this every single day. I devour it. He said, I was saved later in my life. And I wasted a lot of time. And when God saved me and called me into the ministry, He said, I didn't want to do it halfway. And so I made a pact with God. And he said, I've not been perfect in that. But I made a pact with God that I would know His Word better than Satan would. Or Satan does. And he says, Satan knows His Word pretty well. So he said, I devour it daily. And I put so much value in it that I don't see value anywhere else unless it's seen through the perspective of this. He said, I don't do anything halfway. Matt, if you'll come. Tickle the guitar strings a little. My question is to you, how much do you value it? If you are to be a people of the book, how much do you value it? Because mark my words. closer the 
we do get to the end of things, the more people are going to try to take this and twist it and use it for self-justification and use it for glory to be given on earth and to be given to flesh. And the faster things get, the more we're going to have a tendency to just let everything else spin around us and we'll just try to pick it out as it goes by. And most people don't lead their life. They just accept it. So I'm challenging you. When it comes to your faith, lead it. Lead it. Take control. Do something about it. Something valuable. Be like the woman in Luke 15 who lost one coin. She still had nine, right? She still had nine, but she lost one. And what'd she do? Luke, Luke 15, verses 8, around 8, 9, 10. She lost one coin. And instead of just going, yeah, it's no big deal, I've got nine more. The Bible says she swept the entire house until she found it. She put things in order. She had an urgency about her. There was something inside of her that said, no, I'm missing something in my life and I'm not going to feel whole until I get it. And she swept and she swept and she swept and she swept until she found it. Now, how many of you, if you lost $1,000 in your house somewhere, you'd do some sweeping? Oh, wait a minute, I forget. $1,000 is not that big a deal anymore. If you lost a million dollars in your house somewhere. Hey, guys, I still think on the level of if I see a dime on the floor, I'm picking it up. All right? But if you lost a million dollars somewhere, you still had nine million, right? So you're like, yeah, no big deal. I'll get by. Or would you just do whatever you had to do to get it back? To value it? To show value in it? It's time to do some sweeping. It's time to do some sweeping. You don't come here every Sunday to hear Justy's opinions. You come here to hear the Word of God. Because you know the Word of God changes, creates, moves, builds, gives faith, provides, gives direction, gives wisdom, brings salvation. You know that the Word of God is to be valued. So I'm going to ask you, where are you at? Are you like, Someone really valuing or someone not valuing at all, ever? Or are you somewhere halfway in between? And here's what I'm going to challenge you with. If you're halfway in between, you're not there yet. You know how I know that? Because if I'm taking my family on a vacation to the beach 
and I stop in Mississippi and I say, we're there. They're going to walk outside to the farmer's market. There's like 90 of them on the way. And they're going to find the rottenest tomato they can find. And they're going to shove it in my face. Because they're not there, are they? Don't settle for halfway. Would you stand with me? And just for a couple of moments, I just want to pray for you. To value. I also want to pray for you. If you've been reading, but you haven't been getting anything out of it, then I want to pray that scales would fall off your heart and your eyes. How many of you want to value the Word of God even more? If you want to be a people by the book, then value it more than anything else. give you an opportunity for you just to respond to what the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about. Pray for you that not only would you value it, but that you would start seeing treasure in it. Father, I pray over everyone in this building this morning. Over every single heart over every single mind over the eyes of the people who are here that they want to read your word more they want to know you better they want to experience you more they want to grow deeper more wise Pray that you deliver them from self-justifications of excuses on how we value everything else, but not you, not you, your presence or your word. Lord, if there's someone in this building today that has never fully, wholeheartedly given their life to you, then don't let them leave today without doing so. Halfway is not there. I pray, Lord, we value, value your word. Just worship and pray between you and the Lord for just another couple minutes.
15 says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Father, I just pray that as we begin to learn and know the value of your word, as we read, God, that we wouldn't just read to get through the word, Lord God, that, that you would begin to give us clarity and, and understand the weight and the power of your word. God, that as we read your word, Lord, that we would digest it, meditate on it, that we would see it as nourishment to our body and to our soul. Lord, that we would begin to understand, God, that this word is as if you were right in the room speaking directly to us. And as we read, God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak as if you were speaking directly to our hearts, Lord God. God, that we would hear you as we read. God, that we would feel the weight of your word. God, that we would hold on to your word tightly and never let it go. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for speaking to us and leaving us, God, something to hold on to, something to stand by. I just pray, God, for fresh revelation as we read, as we hear, as we listen to you, Lord. Father, I thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him some praise this morning for his word. Thank you so much for being here. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.